शिला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमान महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री श्री दाऊजी गोपाल जी की जय श्री श्री गौर नित्यानंद की जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की जय श्री वेणुगीत की जय गौर भक्तवृंद की जय गौर प्रमान सो गुड इवनिंग टू ऑल यू धन्यवाद टूडे वी आर कंटिन्यूइंग विद आवर सीरीज ऑफ लेक्चर्स ऑन श्री बेनुगीत वी आर इन आवर थर्ड मीटिंग वेर वी विल बी स्टार्टिंग वर्स नंबर टू वी हैव ट्वेंटी वर्सेस सो टूडे वी आर गोइंग थ्रू द सेकंड वन लेट्स सी हाउ मच टाइम द होल सीरीज विल टेक but as usual let's make some brief recap of what we were seeing some like 3 days ago or something when we saw verse number 1 which will we see we will see it's kind of similar to today's verse with some added features today so verse number 1 was describing the autumn season and krishna entering the forest from the village with his friends with the cows and of course playing the flute all this creating the the stage for what we will know one as ben gita basically and of course for giving proper context we described a little bit the background of the autumn season by describing the summer season and the rainy season that happened before the autumn season and all that it they imply not not only on, in terms of external hardships but how they reflect also internal experiences emotional experiences of sri radha and the gopis reflecting external in the form of forest fire of heat of separation a rainy season of torrents of evaporation of those tears falling on the summer season and then becoming the rainy season poetically speaking and so on and how also these different seasons brought different udipanas in one direction or another concerning the gopis and for example in the rainy season as we mentioned for the gopis was okay now we are seeing these clouds that reminds us of shamsundar's hue and they are creating this pain and separation because we are not with him so then autumn comes and they feel well now relief will come but now they were suffering because they were not able to see those clouds any longer <laughs> which somehow were reminding the, them or or of three of their beloved and also we spoke about how this verse described water ponds with beautiful fragrant lotuses and a very like cool fragrant and um favorable breeze if you will all of these ingredients making the perfect environment for what will be the benugita and eventually the the high point as gurmash related today of, of this 10th canto and especially the madhurya section which will be the rasa panchadhyay or the five chapters narrating the the rasa leela so of course we also mentioned how the fragrance was described in singular to show how it is it, it was carrying different aromas of one single flower to enter into one nostril of krishna and then this another frag breeze carrying another the fragrance of another flower to enter into him or also carrying different messages through leaves written by hand by their beloved to one another and so on 
So Krishna is described entering into such a forest. Remember, we are in Purvan Lila, mid-morning pastimes, where Sri Hari is going for Gocharan Lila with his friends, with his Gopalakas, the birds describe them. The Gopalakas mean Gopals, but the Ka implies an added t tenderness or sweetness with this added, adding further uh, description to the emotional and soft hood <laughs> present in the hearts of all its participants, basically. So the verse basically ended saying, and therefore Achyuta entered the forest. So the name of for Krishna here invoked. We will see different names invoked in each verse. And of course, every name has a meaning and it has a particular meaning in the particular context it is invoked. So Achyuta is generally an Ishvaric name of, of Krishna Bhagavan invoking if um, Achyuta means he who does not fall, or the infallible one, which generally has to do with more with of his position of God, and as God being infallible, and so on. But here, Sukadev is invoking this name in the context of Vrindavan, so it has to do more with his infallibility in terms of um, himself being Bhaktavatsalya, for example, or, or his Bhaktavatsalya, which is his his love for his devotees and how he himself he sees himself in, in that Abhiman, you know, his self-conceived identities. I am a Bhakta of my Bhaktas. That's what the Bhagavatam says when it defines Bhagavan. It says, Bhagavan Bhakta Bhaktimam, which means Bhagavan is a Bhakta of his Bhaktas. Mm -hmm. that's, that's his favorite self-designation. Who are you, Krishna? I am the devotee of my devotees. I am Bhakta Pradino, and so on. So, Ashutam means he's infallible in reciprocating with the love of his devotees. Mm -hmm. Although we will see regarding the gopis, <laughs> he will recognize I'm failing in this. But that's another layer, another level of, of the narrative. We have not reached there yet. And also, we mentioned that some editions do not include the word Achyuta, but include the word Vanam, which means forest. And the, the Acharyas, the commentators, have mentioned that at this point, Sukadev Goswami is throat was choked up and he was not able to pronounce Achyuta because of all the implications that the name has in this particular context, all the implications of Achyutaness, if you will, <laughs> he was not able to, to pronounce the very word or to speak or enter into the details of those implications. So he said he entered the forest, no? if we want to replace Achyuta for one. And of course, in today's verse, verse number two, it will be further clarified who is that he who entered the forest? And Krishna, in this second verse, interestingly, he will be called Madhupati. Madhupati means many things, we'll see, but basically means the master of sweetness. So it will be another way of saying Achyuta, if you will. If you play out the implications of Achyuta, those will converge into the notion of, of Madhupati. He who is sweetness from tip to toe, especially in connection to the Madhurya, my gopis, shirad, and so on, which make him especially sweet, especially Krishna. So, that's what we saw last class, brief recap. So today we will go to verse number two. I think you have the verse there, just in case you would like to follow. So the verse says like this. Uh, where it is? Okay. It says like this. So in this verse, we will see how Krishna is described. It's, it's a very similar verse to the first one. We will see that. 
how he Krishna is playing a very captivating tune on his flute, drowning the whole room down in bliss, basically. Let's say Kushumita Banaraji Sushmi Bringa Dvija Kula Gushta Sarin Mahidram Madhu Patira Bhagahya Charayangaha Saha Pasu So the translation of the verses, hope we have the same one, the lakes, rivers, and hills of Vrindavan resounded with the sounds of maddened bees and flocks of birds moving about the flowering trees. In the company of the cowherd boys and Balaram, Madhupati Sri Krishna entered that forest, and while herding the cows, he began to vibrate his flute. Now we need more leader doing this, the soundtrack, background soundtrack. <laughs> next one, next one. Do not tell anyone. They didn't hear anything, so we will make the surprise. Okay. Okay. So, so this, and again, as, as I mentioned, this is similar, as we will see, very similar, uh, almost identical, if you compare the previous verse with this one, almost even, even every single line is saying very similar things. But in this, these verses taking a little bit more of life, basically, than the previous one. The description is a little bit more like unfolded, a little bit more alive, if you will. Mm-hmm. To give you an example, in the previous verse, Krishna is being described as, as go entering the forest with the cows. Mm-hmm. Go. Now in this verse, he's called entering the cows with other animals. Pala, Pashu Pala. Pashu means, before he say go Pala. Gopala means protectors of cows. Now he's a protectors of animals. So apart from cows, some other animals are appearing to the scene. So gradually the scene is becoming more crowded, if you will, with the different ingredients of the entering the forest. Mm-hmm. So this verse again says, Kushumita Banaraji Shushmi Bringa. That's the first uh, line. Kushumita is translated as flowering. And Banaraji has to do with groups of, of trees. Banaraj is something like the kings of the forest. No? One, one way of referring to the, to the, to the trees. And Sushmi Bringa. Hmm? Bringa means beast. And Sushmi means like maddened, intoxicated. Beasts generally I describe like a drunkard. So they are intoxicated as we will see. And all this will be connected to also the name Madhupatya. And then Dvija Kula Gusta. So Dvija refers to the two twice born that's a name for the brahmanas also, but that's a name for the for the birds, because birds are twice born, once in the eggs and then outside the eggs. So that's why they are called dui ja. Dui means two, and ja has to do with janma, twice born. Kula has to do with flocks of birds, and gusta were resounding. So not only the bees were like how to say brimming, buzzing, buzzing. So the bees were buzzing and flocks of birds were singing or chirping, if you will, Gusta. And Sara Sarin Mahidram, then it says, no? Sara means lakes, uh, Sarin means in, in this case rivers, and Mahidram means hills. So it's important to try to enter into some sort of visualization because it's pretty aesthetic and graphic, all these verses of the Bhagavatam trying to create a, a picture for us. So the Flowering trees are there, the mud and intoxicated bees are there, the singing birds are there, 
and all of this in the context of very calm and clean and peaceful autumn lakes and rivers flowing in Vrindavan along with the mountains of Raj. So that's the first half, first half of the verse. And then what's happening in that unique playground in that particular stage? Madhupatir Abhagahya Charayam Gaha. So Madhupatir, Krishna, the protector of the Lord of the Madhus, or as we will see also the master of honey, if you want to put it like that, or the master of sweetness. Abhagahya. So Abhagahya means he entered. And Abhagahya, we'll see different terms in detail, means he entered deeply. He didn't just enter the forest, but entered deeply, accessed deeply into the forest. Charayangaha. So Charayangaha means while tendering the cows. And further description, because he's never alone. Sahapashupala balas chukujavin. So did he he went with Sahapashupala Balaha? So Saha means with Pashupala means what? Well, I told already. Pro protectors of animals. No? It's another way of saying Gopals with his friends, but in this case they are protecting not only the cows and calves, but some deers here and there and some some other animals. And Balaha, who is Bala? <laughs> so Sri Balaram is there. And what happened in such uh, in such state with such entourage? Chukuja Benum. Chukuja means vibrated. And Benum means flute. So he vibrated his flute. He played his Benum, Benugita. So that's a little bit the word by word. And this of this verse, which again it it, it very nicely serves in connection with the previous ones, as a form of mantra-mayupasana. Mantra-mayupasana refers to a particular mantra, which or a particular type of meditation which happens out of a mantra, if you will. A particular mantra, which is described in a specific, how do you say in English, like a frame of a picture? Frame is the word? Not like the moving scenes, but you put pause and you have a particular frame. So you take a picture of that, if you will, and you can like try to enter into into that picture specifically. Freeze Sorry. Freeze frame. I don't know. You are the cinema expert here. It's not me, but you you follow my idea. Like a portal, a particular picture with a, a detailed description of what's happening there, but still it's a picture. It's not play on the whole movies. That's another dynamics of meditation that also is described in Shastra. But here it's Mantra Mayupasana. So this verse is, again, similar to the other one, but presenting an added, uh, a little bit further description of what's going on. It's getting more alive. It's still in pause, Mantra Mayupasana, but some little place is there, start to move gradually. <laughs> and of course, again, all these different ingredients that are described here, we have always to bear in mind the role of Someone like, for example, Brinda Dave in this connection, who is like the official, one of the official orchestrators of, of all these ingredients. She's like the organizer of the dynamics of each moment of the Lila invoking the specific weather and seasons and sounds and forms and certain flowers have to blossom now, certain fruits have to bear, trees have to bear fruit in this precise moment and creating the most ideal, perfect combination of all the circumstances, like the head of the communication department in Brindavan, you know, like communicating to all the different 
members of the Lila. You come here, you sound there, you shut up at this moment, not now. <laughs> that will be your turn in a while, wait for a minute. You come into this scene, and so on. So she's like the one who is very expert in organizing all the things and communicating to every um, ingredient of Vrindavan, which is another way of saying to every devotee in Vrindavan, because their ingredients are devotees. <laughs> what to do, how to do, no? how to sending messages and monitoring all the movements in the Lila. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is said that that's, that's precisely why we have her in our neck, no? in the form of Srimati Tulsi Marani. No? Brinda Devi is a name that she receives mostly exclusively in the Braja Lila. Outside of Braja Lila she is known as Stulli Marani. So, generally, we, we are carrying her on our neck. Of course, there are many ways we can justify our Kantimala. But one of them is like she's here, like monitoring what's going on through our throat yeah. uh, and passing messages. Hmm? She's the head of the communication department, no? So yeah. <laughs> it's passing, how much Harinam is passing through our throat on a daily basis? No, not the number, but what's going on in our throat, basically. No? How, how, how many doses of Harikata is, is transpassing our throat? How much Prashad and not Boga is transpassing our throat? And so on. Hmm? And paying paying attention to that again, it's not only quantity; it's quality. Because sometimes, in the name of quantity, one may, as I was hearing the other day, one devotee saying, some people may chant to one lakh every day, and that maybe they are going full speed in their sadhana, but also they need to have proper guidance in their full speed. It's like if you are in a car going full speed, but you are going into the right into the wrong highway, <laughs> and you may be full speed and just getting closer to the cliff at full speed. So conceptual orientation is important and, and chanting in a proper way no? not just like making a show of oh I'm chanting, chanting one lakh I've seen those things sometimes no? like one lakh, two lakhs three lakhs, relax <laughs> relapse <laughs> and nothing happens in other than but all started with one lakh and three lakhs and three lakhs, and relax, relapse and so, so Brinda Devi is monitoring all that in our side of the sadhaka, not just to make some parallels of what's going on in the realm of the siddhas and uh, with that sadhaka here. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> and of course, we will see in this and other verses how how there are plenty and limited uh, parallels or analogies and comparisons that our charas are drawing with the lotuses and with the lakes and with the birds and the bumblebees in connection to the attributes of, of Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, Radha, the gopis. But also it's important always to know that they are just like an attempt to, to give us a glimpse of something that has no parallel in this world whatsoever. Actually, Govinda Lilamrita very poetically says that the, that the Creator collected the, the very essence of every beautiful, beautiful object to produce the limbs of Radha and Krishna. It's a way of putting that. And he said, the leftover portions fell into the ground on this earth and became lotuses, bumblebees, lakes, chakora birds, now, all the things that generally are used for giving examples in comparison, the moon, you know, all of them fell like, like a remnant of what's remaining from what composes their limbs, basically. No? So again, these analogies that may we may present in this and other verses are or just a partial attempt to speak about something that work words go and return, as the Upanishads say. Hmm? 
So, <clears throat> so this verse starts again with the word Kushumita Vanuraji. Remember, it's describing very fragrant, uh, fra uh, very fragrant trees present in Vrindavan. So, it's it's interesting because sometimes we may like when you go in some sections of the Bhagavatam that is describing like dynasties of very many saintly kings or something. I would say, oh, this is so boring. So many names. I will go pass quickly to the nectar. Or in Chaitanya Charitamrita, no, the description of the, I don't know, the, the, the tree of divine love and all the branches and the trunks and sub-branches and this name after name after name of great personalities. And we may feel, what to do with this? No, or something. Or, or sometimes Krishna Das Goswami gets absorbed and described like the different offerings that were made to Mahaprabhu or to Jagannath. And you have pages of pages just of names of preparations of prasad. And, and, and for most of us, maybe I don't have a clue what these preparations are about, no? because it's all names in Bengali and so on. So someone may like, let's go to the pastimes as quick as possible. <laughs> but we shouldn't take that stance. We should take very important, serious uh, appreciation of every single word of Shastra. So similar here. No? Now, for example, here we find the trees of Vrindavan. And we may say, oh... Okay, yeah, nice, very nice, the trees, yeah. Uh, not, not, I don't have time to enter much into detail. Well, tell that to Prabhupada Saraswati or someone like him. Now, for example, in his Vrindavan Mahimamrita, he, this, he, he, he's dedicated hundreds of verses only to the trees of Vrindavan. Hundreds. To enter into the detail. Every tree and their name and their attributes and, and how they render service tree after tree after tree and then go into another species in branch and then another species of branch. So the glorification of the trees of Vrindavan is in itself a whole tattwa, if you will. <laughs> a whole department, a whole category of Mahima. Mahima means like praise. No? So we hear many times no? like Omahatmya. No? So Braja Mahima, in this case will be Braja Briksha Mahima or the glories of the trees of Vrindavan. Again, it's not something like let's pass as quick as possible the pages and go to the the moving objects or something like that. <laughs> but our acharyas have spent all the time they had in those directions. There are indeed many stories of great personalities having main part of their sadhana worshiping the trees of Vrindavan, embracing them, offering pranam, singing their glories, you know, and to the visitors mentioning execute your bhajan under the trees of Raj. These are great personalities. They are not only trees. That's the point. I mean, because the point is, but why a tree? Well, the point is that it's not only a tree. We are speaking here about Braja Briksha, not only Briksha. I mean, the tree in itself is to be venerated, Tarora Pisa Vishnana. <laughs> what to speak the trees of Raj, as we all see. So, remember, in Vrindavan, every tree is Kalpa Briksha. Today, Guru Maharaj was speaking about how in Vrindavan, the highest degree of Aishvarya is found in Vrindavan, where the highest degree of Madhuri is present there. We may think, no, the Aishvarya side is mostly in Vaikuntha. Vrindavan has no Aishvarya. No, in Vrindavan you find more Aishvarya than anywhere else put together. But all that Aishvarya is buried under layers and layers of intimacy. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not there. It's there, but <laughs> it's totally... Under the ground, underground, basically. So in Vrindavan, every tisakalpa briksha, every speck of dust in Chintamani, 
every cow is Kamadenu. So all the all the atoms in Vrindavan can satisfy all of, all one's desire. Is that not Ashvari? <laughs> but something about that, it is say that no no one in Vrindavan is asking anything from them. Basically, it's not that oh, so we can ask whatever we want and we will receive whatever. Nobody's asking. As much they are thinking about. We can we can get some trees, some fruits, and some flowers for offering to Krishna. But it is say that in the very moment that they are thinking about that, the trees themselves are like inclining. So they do not need even to ask for that. No, they just need to think about it, and everything is in perfect alignment of seva. So here it is described how the trees are blossoming of joy when Krishna is entering the forest. It is, it is mentioned from one very nice example that once Srila Rupa Goswami, he used to execute bhajan under different trees of Vrindavan. As our Guru Mahesh will say, the Goswamis had, had built very big temples, but actually they slept every single night under a different tree also. Mm-hmm. That was their high, top-class uh, hotel, if you will, in Vrindavan, under Kalpa Brikshati. What can be more Aishwarik than a five-star hotel? I mean, that's a hundred and eight. Stark Hotel on Kalpa Riksha <laughs> and so many. So he will write also and execute his bhajan under Kalpa Brikshas in Braj. So at one point he was he was really afflicted by separation from Krishna in his inner mood of bhajan and the trees that were next to him, you can imagine everything there is totally sensitive and empathic. So Sri Rupa Goswami was trying to save himself, if you will, in, in that extreme experience of separation, and the trees were also accompanying him in that mood. And in his writing, he's writing about the meeting of Sri Srirad and Krishna. So that kind of keeps him alive. <laughs> and it is said that when Rupa Goswami will write about the meeting of Radha and Krishna, the tree that he was under starts to, to blossom. Mm-hmm. Like, like creating new, how we say, buds, buds, and, and so on. So imagine if a tree reacts in such a way by hearing about or reading about the meeting of Radha Krishna, how much the tree must react when Krishna himself is entering the forest like he's doing in this verse today. After a long night of separation. Because everyone is feeling separation in Vrindavan. It's not only the humans. You know? So Krishna is, is in the village goes to the forest big part of the day, but then returns from the forest to the village. And when he returns to the village, that's a tragic stage for the inhabitants of the forest, especially the trees that cannot move. It's not that, okay, let's join Krishna, let's run after him. Everyone is running after him. They are like, what to do? We have to wait till tomorrow. And as, as you know, in the fever of separation, <laughs> one moment is like a yuga. So, what to speak, a long night... So now Krishna is re-entering the forest and the trees are receiving him by giving Puspanjali and showing new sprouts and new buds and so on. So again, the trees, as Mahaprabhu said, they are an example of tolerance. The trees in general, he's saying. In this verse, Mahaprabhu is not saying, I'm referring to the Braja Driksha. The trees in general are such as Example of tolerance, we won't enter into that verse because that requires a whole month of talks. <laughs> but how the trees tol- Mahaprabhu is not saying be humble and be tolerant, he's qualifying his instruction be tolerant like a tree. So it's a special type of tolerance that is not complaining, 
is dealing with all the different climates and people attacking them, urinating on them, writing on them, I love Jenny or whatever <laughs> nonsense, and cutting them, no, exploiting, 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 and the tree, not only not complaining, but giving while being attacked. No? Giving shade, giving fruit, giving air, giving, 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 while tolerating. That's the, the level of tolerance that Mahaprabhu wants to see in his followers. Not just, I have to tolerate. I would like to jump into his neck, but I have to tolerate. <laughs> Mahaprabhu told me, no, just giving. <laughs> so you are actually not tolerating, you are giving. If you are a real giver, you will never even think about tolerating. You may be thinking, I have to tolerate not being able to give that much as I will like. That's the tolerance. That's definitely... <laughs> So every tree is tolerating in that way, ex mostly if you want externally all these things that come, but in the case of the Braja Brikshas, they are tolerating all those things plus internal separation from Krishna. They are tolerating the external heat of the summer of Raj, they are tolerating the internal forest fire of separation every single night that Krishna is leaving the forest. Mm -hmm. So that's, if you want to play out the ultimate implication of Karori Basa Ishnuna, it converges into the, in the trees of Vrindavan and their level of tolerance. And it would be nice to think like that. Mahaprabhu thinking about the tree, most probably he will, his mind is more more, more Vrindavan, he said once. My mind is Vrindavan. So if he speaks about the tree, he will think about the tree in Vrindavan. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's our ultimate Ishnuna, basically. Not so much tolerating heat and cold, or, or that's one level of tolerance, no? What ha what's coming outside? Another level of tolerance is in internal tolerance, the criticism or things, thoughts that may come, prejudice and tolerance, tolerance, tolerance desires, tolerance, tolerance. But another level of tolerance is separation of Krishna. That's the two point zero tolerance level, if you will, the, the highest update, no? First level, tolerance of external stuff. Second, mental stuff. Third, spiritual stuff, if you will. Tolerating separation of Krishna. And actually, Smaprabhu will say, Durdaivan, Idrisha Mihajan, our Durdaivan, or our lack of fortune, is that still we don't feel the need to tolerate that. <laughs> no. We don't feel that we have to tolerate separation from Krishna because probably we don't feel separation from Krishna. And that's our problem. And that's why we feel we have to tolerate so many other things. <laughs> so, so that's a good thermometer to see where we are. No? What do we feel we have to tolerate? What, what do we feel? I have to tolerate what? So you will see where we are. On a physical level, on a more internal level, or... I have to tolerate carrying my life years while in separation of my... Of course, you cannot imitate that. But ideally, we are getting to hmm, get closer to that. So the trees of Brindown are a great example of that tolerance. As we, we mentioned the other day, no? it is described that they are almost dying in, in, in separation, of the internal fire of separation but they kept alive because of the torrents of tears that come from the gopis in separation that are watering the trees. <laughs> so somehow one is saving each other. Everyone is dying in separation, but somehow Brinda Devi Jogamaya makes the arrangement for them to survive and help each other, even without being conscious of that, but that's happening. So 
again, I'm being brief here, mentioning some little Braja Bhiksha Mahima, some little glories of the trees or the flowers of Braj. But again, there are so many verses, not only Prabodhananda Saraswati, but many other. Braja Vilastava of Raghunadas Goswami, also he takes the time to go through every single species in Braj before reaching Shishirad and Krishna and so on. He begins with all these different inhabitants there, offering their pranam, asking blessings to all of them. I, I tried to study that verse before visiting Brindavan last time. I asked Guru Maharaj, he said, yeah, yeah, that's a nice way to enter Brindavan. You know? Before entering, you start to pray to every single inhabitant, please bless me, please allow me to access this place and so on. <laughs> so, and again, these trees and creepers and vines and flowers of brush are, are, are very dear to Radha and Krishna themselves. So it, it is said sometimes that Krishna loves to plant trees in Vrindavan and Sri Radha loves to plant creepers in Vrindavan. Which of course is also a parallel. Krishna is generally compared to a tamal tree and Sri Radha to a, a vine that is growing around the tamal, embracing the tamal tree. And it is said that when, when the trees start to grow, Radha and Krishna go and marry each other, no? marry the tree to the to the vine and make some ceremony, and eventually they give some flowers and fruit. They say, "Oh, they are having kids now. No? <laughs> Family is expanding. We we have to celebrate." <laughs> so yeah, so the verse begins with this glorifying these trees and the flowers because flowering trees. And very interestingly here, also that's connected to the meter of the verse. The meter here, or chanda in Sanskrit, different verses have different meters, as you have, may have realized. It's not that we always recite the verse and they have the same quantity of sea levels and so on. So one may wonder why the first verse and the next ones after these ones have the same meter, but this one in between, which is the second, has a, set, a different meter. Sometimes that may seem may be seen as an irregularity, but in this case it has to do with more internal meaning that could be done because the meter here is called pushpitagra. So pushpitagra means the best of all flowering flowers. <laughs> so Sukadev Goswami is someone with deep uh, sensibilities for braja at this point of his narration. So he chose to speak about this verse, which is speaking about the fragrant flowers in the trees of brush. So let's let's invoke one chanda that goes in line with this. So instead of invoking anustu, which is the most classical chanda, and that is the one in the previous verse, in the next verse, he's invoking pushpitagra chanda, the best of all flowering flowers. Because again, here it is speaking about some flowering trees blossoming and offering their flowers to Krishna. And those flowers are the best of all flowering flowers, basically. <laughs> hmm? And our Acharyas also in this connection mentioned, we already spoke a little bit about Udipana, or this, like, how do you say in English? Kindlers? Kindlers or stimulants that somehow, like, make the Dipa Udipana. Like, if you have a little, a little Dipa, a little lamp, and you won't like to make the flame. You throw some whatever, camphor or some gas <laughs> to be more gross, and the fire will or will, will explode, will become bigger. So Deepana refers to that. So it is said that in Madhurya Bhav, which is the context we are describing this narration, the main Udipana is flowers. That's why also it's always described, for example, Cupid. 
carrying and arrows made of flowers. And flowers are here and there always in Radha Krishna Leland decoration and this and so flowers of course it's in every single rasa in Vrindavan it's full of flowers, but especially it is considering in, as a stimulant for, for Madhurya Bhav. So Pushpitagra Chanda more than uh, correct here. <clears throat> so also this verse mentions the rivers, for example. And the river, of course, if we speak river in Vrindavan, the mind goes immediately to Jamuna, Sri Mati Jamuna Devi Kijai. So, <clears throat> and of course, Jamuna Devi, since we are speaking about the Dipana, that's a total constant to Dipana for both Sri Radha and Krishna, interestingly, for different reasons. You know, to say that, for example, when Sri Radha is seeing Jamuna, she feels so Dipana because, oh, because Jamuna is another name for Jamuna is Krishna. No, because Krishna means black, as we say yesterday. So Jamuna's waters, interestingly, are, I mean, not black, literally black as we know it, but they are dark, close to Krishna's hue. So when Sri Radha sees the Jamuna, that's Aksat Anudipana for her because she's reminded of Krishna's hue. And for Krishna, when he sees the Jamuna, that's Anudipana for him because that's reminding him of Radha's cloth. Because Radha's cloth is the color of Krishna's hue. And Krishna's cloth is the color of Radha's hue. <laughs> so in this way, the same thing is Anudipana for both, for slightly different reasons, but quite connected because one is dressing in the color of the other's hue, basically. Hmm? Hmm. Or, for example, when the there are little lakes or waterfalls mentioned here in Govardhan, there are di different waterfalls. So sometimes that's also an Udipana when Krishna sees a little waterfall falling from a little hill in Govardhan that reminds him of, of Sri Radha's face and like little drops of perspiration falling from her in, in, in the different lilas he's having with him. And the same thing, vice versa, Sri Radha's in Govardhan. The more dark, you see, there are different colors of, of stones in Govardhan. So for some will remind, of course, that applies to Balaram as well, but in the case of Madhurya Bhav, it will have another slight different connotation. Hmm? So every, uh, again, everything reminds Radha about Krishna, and everything reminds Krishna about Radha. It's not just some things, and the rest of the day they are lost in something else. <laughs> She's Krishna Mai. She's full of Krishna inside and out. But certain specific things, like flowers or these things, kind of udipanize. <laughs> they're staibhav, no? They're, they're official fixed emotion for them. So it's important, of course, eventually advanced devotees will, will nourish their affinity by, by embracing closely the particular dipanas for their respective bhavas. There is a famous song <clears throat> by Sri Thakur Bhaktivinod where he lists a very interesting list of Udipanas. Now, of course, in, in the context of his particular bhav, hmm, he starts describing Radha Kunda. Radha Kunda Tata Kunja Kutira Govardhana Parvata Jamunatiya. That's the beginning of the list. No? <laughs> there he starts with the general thing. No? Radha, the banks of Radha Kunda, Govardhan Hill, bank, uh, Jamuna, but then goes into further detail, 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 detail. And how important he's consciously cultivating those specific udipanas. And in this way, also here, as we mentioned, there are different um, 
birds mentioned. And all the birds are as a dipana because there are many lilas connected with this. There are lilas in which Krishna is dressing himself as a cuckoo bird. And we won't enter into the details, that's too long. Or dressing as a, as a, as a peacock, another. And, and, and Sri Radha dresses as a peahen. You say peahen? The female version of the peacock, whatever. So the point is, whenever Radha or Krishna sees all these different birds, they are reminded of those particular lilas connected to themselves in those connections. For example, the peacocks also generally, they sing kika. kika. If you hear the peacock, pika, kika, which generally means, who is that? Ke, who is that, means ke, who is that in male. And ka means who is that in female. So generally, it is said that the peacocks is speaking the lila in riddles. So they say something, like if I'm making you a riddle, uh, and who is that? Ke, uh, and the other, uh, Ka, who is that? And they, of course, they are speaking about Radha and Krishna, no? like in riddles. Let's see if you're here and there. Who is that? Who is that? So Radha, Krishna. <laughs> and what to speak of the pirates? No? We can, again, I'm just giving a brief summary. We can have a whole series of lectures every visit with one single species here and there. <laughs> one month the tree, one month the bees, one month the pirates. But the pirates, of course, are very famous for imitating the voices and creating a whole dramatic performance and, and, and climates and, and, and representing different emotional things just by, by their voices and composing poetry on the spot. They are very famous. Radha and Krishna have their own pet parrots that they feed them with pomegranate seeds and they ask, we always speak, like Krishna says to, to the parrot, please memorize this verse. And he gives like a an ending verse that begins with dhara which means current or some other things, caring. And the verse is like trying to, like if I tell you now, let's memorize the verse. And I say, Bahapidam nato barabapuna. And you say, stop, my first word, please. It's too much. So the parrot says like this to Krishna. It's too much. I'm a parrot. Krishna says, okay, 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 okay. Just repeat the first word and that's okay. What's the first word? Dhara. The verse says, dhara, 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 and Krishna okay, yeah, continue. He ends up saying, radha, radha, radha. No? So similarly, Sri Radha has her own tricks to make the part repeat the names of Hari, and they reward them eventually, accordingly, and so on. So again, the parrots in Vrindavan are not just parroting, as we know, a parrot is sometimes just famous for repeating something without understanding, but we have the second parrothood, if you will, which is, as poetically it is said, the parrot is biting a fruit and it's making it sweeter, at least poetically speaking, I don't know how much scientifically that's proved, it's similar to the swan taking milk from a combination of milk and water, but there is a point being made there, so Sukadev is sometimes that idea, so in Brindavan every parrot is, again, not just parroting, but always making the fruit sweeter, if you will. <clears throat> so in this way, the, the perfectly orchestrated by Brinda Devi, this whole forest of Brindavan is perfectly you know, combining the humming, the, the buzzing <laughs> of the bees, the chirping of the birds, the singing of the birds, and the rivers and the lakes creating a particular sound as well. It's like a whole symphony, you know, everything like aligned. And Krishna starts to play his Benu, and it is said that the Acharya said that he very skillfully blended his own playing 
of the flute with all the different sounds of Vrindavan's birds and bees. And no, it's not like here I am, listen to me, and all of you shut up, please. No, no. In a very humble and expert way, he entered into the symphony that was already taking place. And he added to that no, by playing the flute. And so his, his sound merged and blended, to, added to the whole musical equation. And what is, what's something about bumblebees, because bumblebees are mentioned here. Well, Krishna himself is known as a bumblebee, as we know. We have studied some months ago the, the Brahma Gita, which is the last of these songs. And, and Krishna is basically there sometimes described as a bumblebee, or the bumblebee that appears on a scene. It is said sometimes to be considered by Shirad as, as Krishna himself, and so on. And of course, the bumblebee is someone who is... Hmm? focusing, drinking the nectar from the flower and generally depicted in a, how do you say, drunkard, drunkard state, drunken, drunken, drunken. So here we have another very nice uh, description of Krishna's bumblebee. It is said that sometimes if a bumblebee becomes angry, he can even like, like pierce the wood. He can penetrate something like wood. So he can become angry, as you can see. So do not meet a bum an angry bumblebee, just in case. <laughs> but also to say that an intoxicated bumblebee, a drunkard one, can become so dizzy <laughs> that just remain attached, drinking the nectar of a flower, and it gets snagged, and the lotus is closing, and the bumblebee never realizes that and remains there, you know, buried in the lotus flower, if you will. So to say that similarly, Krishna, Bumblebee Krishna, Madhupati, as we all see, <laughs> can become angry and pierce wood, which means destroy very powerful demons like Kamsa and Jarasandha and Sisupal, armies, etc. He can become really angry if he wants you, you know. But also, like the bumblebee getting trapped into the lotus, Krishna can become totally trapped, like a bumblebee. He's a bumblebee, and it is said he can become trapped in the world of world. You say world of the lotus-like hearts of the Brajavasis. No? So Krishna is described poetically as a bumblebee drinking the honey of the prem of the Brajavasis' heart so much, getting so intoxicated that the lotus is closing, and Krishna remains there forever. Technically speaking, so that's the name that Krishna, of Krishna that is invoked here. I may take a little extra minutes today with words on their blessings, please. And the name is Madhupati. Again, let's, we, we have to spend some time in this Madhupati, which means, again, as we mentioned, like the Madhupati means like the Lord. Many things can be said about Madhupati. Pati can mean also husband, and Madhu can refer to the Madhurya, my gopis. So he's the husband of the gopis in the sense that they belong to each other, even though externally they are in Parakya. Madhupati means the Lord, again, of, of the Madhus, as we'll see. The Lord of Madhurya, let's begin with that. We already spoke about that. We spoke already about these four Madhuryas that make Krishna unique that make Krishna Swayam Bhagavan, even above Narayan. Venu Madhurya, Rupa Madhurya, Lila Madhurya, Prem Madhurya. And everything in him, actually, actually, it's totally uh, Madhu, sweet. As we sang, well, we didn't sing, we can sing. 
You have the file? You send the file? Okay, we can sing one song. I was planning to end our every meeting with some singing, but today we'll make the singing in between because there is a very proper song that I would like to share. Can you give me the Mridanga? Which is the Madhurashtakam of Sripad Bhalavacharya. Hmm? So, this is a very, very unique song. Thank you. And uh, I want to give a, a, a caution, just in case, because I wouldn't like to all this to end in some tragedy or something. So, any of you has diabetes, please leave, <laughs> leave the room right now. <laughs> because there is too much sweetness here. Too much. So, we don't want any tragedy. The retreat is going on very nicely. And it should continue as such. So, please do not make me... So, we'll sing this Madhurashtakam. <clears throat> So I will sing, what, how, how can we sing, in so many ways of singing this. <laughs> so I will sing myself the song, it will have two different melodies, one first part, one melody, second verse, one melody, the, the third, the same melody of the first and so on, it's not so difficult, but, so you can hear and join, but we can repeat the, the last line, which is like the, the line that we give some, and, and after every verse, I will briefly, we will continue. Someone can play cartels. I will continue. I will read the translation of every, of every verse. You will see the word Maduram quite often. So this is Madurastukam. Adharam Maduram, Badanam Maduram, Nayanam Maduram, Asitam Maduram, Hidayam Maduram, Dhamanam Maduram, Maduradipate Rakilam Maduram, Maduradipate His lips are sweet, his face is sweet, his eyes are sweet, his smile is sweet, his heart is sweet, his gait is sweet, everything is sweet about the Emperor of Sweetness. Vachanam Madhuram, Charitam Madhuram, Vachanam Madhuram, Balitam Chalitam Madhuram, Brahmitam Madhuram, Maduradipate Rakilam Maduram, Maduradipate Rakilam Maduram, Maduradipate Rakilam Maduram. His words are sweet. His character is sweet, his dress is sweet, his belly folds are sweet, his movements are sweet, his wandering is sweet, everything is sweet about the Emperor of Sweetness. Venur Madhuram, Renur Madhuram, 
His delight is sweet. His courtesy is sweet. Everything is sweet about the Emperor's sweetness. Gopal Madhura, Gopal Madhura, Yashir Madhura, Shishir Madhura, Dalitam Madhura, Dalitam Madhura, Madhura Dipate Rakila Madhura, Madhura Dipate Rakila Madhura. His gopas are sweet, his cows are sweet, his staff is sweet, his creation is sweet, his trampling is sweet, his fruitfulness is sweet. Everything is sweet about the Emperor's sweetness. So, little bit of context to understand Madhupati now. So now we will share some words about Madhupati and how everything about why Krishna is called the Lord of Sweetness, basically. So again, we share some words. Madhupati, the Lord of Sweetness, the bumblebee Krishna, the only enjoyer of the of the flower of, of, of the hearts of the Brajabasis. So in the same way as the, the bumblebee is the only enjoyer of, of that nectar, Krishna is the Akila Rasamrita Murti, or the exclusive enjoyer of all the Rasas actually in Vrindavan. So this extends of course to every inhabitant and applies specifically in this case to, to the gopis. Sanatana Goswami also gives a nice description of Madhupati in connection to Madhu Sudan. There's different names of Krishna connected to Madhu, all of them in this line. In Brihad Bhagavatam, he says, Madhu Sudan is the name of a particular bee, well known for his rapacious nature, of greedily collecting honey from many lotus flowers. Another Madhu Sudan, known as Krishna, took from the gopis and ruined all their honey. Sudayati. Sudayati means ruined. So Madhusudan is he who ruins the honey. <laughs> ruins in a poetic sense. He who, who took everything from them. Or he took all their attractive and enjoyable qualities. He stole everything they had. Also Sanatana Goswami comments on this verse mentioning that Madhu, in this case of Madhu, Madhupati, Madhu means liquor also. Liquor, you say? Like intoxicating beverage. A particular intoxicating drink. And Krishna is the, the master of that, the master of liquor, basically. The, the gopis like to call Krishna like this, you're a drunkard, basically, we know you. That's how Shirada starts Brahma Gita, almost saying, insulting Krishna from that. Oh, you're a drunkard, I know you, you're a friend. You, Bumblebee, are a drunkard, you are coming to represent Krishna. So you are representing another drunkard, you know, birds of the same feather flock together. You know? So you're a drunkard, you get along with other drunkards, you end up being drunkard, what to do? So... <clears throat> And Sanatana Goswami said, this idea of Madhupati here has a double, mean, double meaning, which means that Krishna gets intoxicated by the love of his devotees, but he's an intoxicator of his devotees, like mutual hmm, drunkness, basically, in this context. Of course, the liquor is prem, the liquor is love, so when you are in love, you are in a state of madness, if you want, as Guru Mahesh will today invoking the third verse of the Bhagavatam, Pivata Bhagavatam Rasamalaya Muhurahora Sikabhuvi Babuka. 
drink this nectar over and over again and even if you fall to the ground because of its intense it's a little bit fermented and he say today <laughs> you will come on second round second cup comes on. and rasam alayam so alayam even means on the stage of post liberation so you keep drinking this beverage beyond mukti so that's a very unique type of intoxication so Sanatana Goswami mentions here the word Madhupati implies how Krishna is intoxicated but his devotee as they intoxicate me I intoxicate them Krishna basically says as they approach me I, I reciprocate accordingly so <clears throat> the currency here is is liquor the liquor of Prem so that, that, that's the only currency available in Raj so everyone is a drunkard basically there so, of course, going to a more general meaning, sorry if I jump too, too quickly to the, to the drunker version of Madhupati, <laughs> but Madhu, <clears throat> Madhupati also means like the protector, Pati means the master, the lord, or the protector of the Madhus, which is another way of saying Jadupati. Christians also know Jadupati is another way of saying Madhupati, the protector of the Yadavas, the protector of the Madhus, the protector of the Yadus. Jadus, Jadavas, Madhus, Madhavas. All these Jiva Goswami explained refer to the same thing. And the Jadavas, also the Brajavasis are included there. It's not only for Krishna's devotees outside of the Braj. <clears throat> so the point is, the gopis here are calling Krishna Madhupati <clears throat> by implying, you are the protector of the Brajavasis. And of course, <clears throat> so many things can be said about how Krishna protects the Brajavasis. The gopis themselves sing in the Gopi Gita many things about that, how they protected from different demons and the rains of Indra and the forest fire. But specifically in this context, the name Madhupati, in the context of being a protector of the Brajavasis, has to do with two main things according to the Acharyas in the Sakya and Madhurya currents. So how he's protecting his friends because he's entering the forest with his friends. No, don't forget that. So he's he's protecting his friend. Protecting is a way of saying by <laughs> by having all the requisite ingredients for having full fun fun with them in the forest. No, all the all, having in mind already what to do in the forest with his friends, so they will have a great unforgettable time every single time they enter in the forest. And the word here is abagahia, we say, which is fully entering the forest, which means Krishna has full knowledge of the forest, of all the different sections, even though eventually for meeting Radha in the Madhyan Lila, he will show some ignorance of that. I want to explore some unknown corner of the forest. <laughs> but that's not the moment yet. No, that we are Benugita, so the meeting is not is, is coming. So at this point, Krishna is said to to protect his friends in the form of knowing every every secret and spot of the forest, so to warranty them, they will have a great time today, basically. So that's that's one meaning, and of course, the second meaning applies to the gopis, and how is Krishna protecting the gopis? Him being in the forest, they being in the village, by playing his flute and nourishing their purvarak, their, their separation, their longing, in such a way to reach the point of perfect moment for meeting, basically. Hmm? Also Madhupati, the word Madhu has to do with Madhava, and Madhava also is a name for spring. 
So Krishna being Madhupati means he's the lord of spring. And of course spring is the season, the romantic season among all of them. Now we are in autumn here, which is pretty romantic also, but spring is like the romanticism par excellence, if you will. So spring falls also in the month of Madhu, according to the calendar, and that's why it's connected to the word Madhava. And spring is the month of Madhurya, Madhurya Rasa, basically. And, and this Madhurya is protecting the Brajavasis, if you will. That's another way of, of saying. And another inference with the idea of Madhupati, of Krishna being the Lord of Spring, is that Krishna is like the Estadevata of Spring, the presiding deity of Romans, basically. <laughs> so when Krishna is entering the forest, again, the, the presiding deity of Spring is entering the forest. And we are in autumn, we are not in the spring, but the whole autumn forest starts to blossom and, and, and flourish like if it was the spring. Because the Easter Devata of spring time is entering. So the whole flower is re responding in, in, to that effect by blossoming and flowering and attaining its apex and full resplendence. Now, it's not spring technically, but it's spring subjectively. If you're in there. <laughs> so it is said that in this way Krishna is entering and seeing. Remember, all this is describing Krishna's entering into the forest. From next verse, we will go back to the village where the gopis are hearing Krishna's song from the forest. So Krishna is entering, seeing the modern peacocks dancing, the romantic dance, and, and the intoxicated bees. And again, all this kind of so many implications and a deepness for him, and the sounds, and he's trying to blend with them, and different trees flowering and blossoming, like if it were spring season and river Jamuna. Not reminding him of the color of your other's clothes. So so Krishna starts like to become too inspired, basically, not to play the flute. He has to. <laughs> so he enters into three Bangalalitas, we know his three bent 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 in tree. <laughs> yeah. He's bent his form bent in tree, cook crooked in three forms. Sometimes crooked, the word crooked is there. You hmm? say that everything is crooked in Krishna. But crooked in the in, in the nice way, no? not crooked like Jatila Kutila, because the name Jatila Kutila means crooked. But crooked more like, uh, like Jatila comes from the word Jata. Jata is like a dreadlock. Like you have a dreadlock, which means like it's a it's a piece of hair that originally you could have combed that and may present that in a certain way, but you allow that to become crooked. No? <laughs> So that's Jatila's psychology, and Kutila follows suit. So they are crooked in that negative way. Krishna is crooked in another way. He's crooked because in, in his crookedness, he's accommodating everything. That's how Aracharya explained that. That's the nature of love. Love moves like a snake in a crooked way because Srila Samaras will say, if love will move in a, in a straight line, so many things are happening here, so many things are happening here, but they are not being accommodated, they are not being embraced, they are just neglected on both sides. But if you are moving in this way, you are embracing and accommodating everything on your way, and, and nourishing from everything, and making that also, integrating that as part of the equation. So that's the nature of love, integration, and everything can be part of the equation. So, the fact that Krishna is crooked, one could say is crooked in the sense of accommodating. No, he's crooking here, crooking there to embrace and to accommodate. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, sometimes it is poetically described Krishna is crooked or bent in three parts because he cannot deal with so much sweetness inside of him. We already saw how sweet he was. So, so much overload of sweetness. So, sometimes he's like, okay. <laughs> and of course, he ultimately, it is described that he's crooked in that particular way as a, an excuse when, when he's next to Radha. That crookedness makes him like getting closer to her, not like getting... Like, well, a little bit closer, wanting to, to become yeah, more and more close to her experience. So in this way, this is the scene depicted here by Sukadev Goswami. So it is said that he's holding the flute to his lotus lips and with his blue lotus uh, bud-like fingers, <laughs> everything is lotus about him as well. <laughs> and he starts to pour Adharamrita, the nectar of his lips into the holes of the flute, and Chukuja Venom. Give me some minutes. Today is Christmas Eve. We have time till midnight, no problem. So, this is my Christmas gift to all of you, with your permission. So, so Chukuja Venom, which means he vibrated Chukuja, his venom, his flute. So, Chukuja, Kuch, it is said that in such, it is an intransitive verbal root which basically means that it's like used specifically not to inanimate objects, but to things like birds or cuckoos, not these specific singings. It's like to alive stuff, if you will. So generally you don't think in terms of a piece of dry bamboo with holes as something with its own life. But again, Krishna's flute... It is. <laughs> so they, they implied idea, but by using the term Chukuja in relation to Venus, the flute is alive. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the very meaning of Venugita, one of the meanings. And I will try to conclude, if you give me permission, today's meeting with some list of possible meanings or interpretations of the word Venugita. Because the, the whole series and the whole chapter is called Venugita. There are many, many degrees of meanings of why Benugita. So one meaning is Benugita is not so much Krishna singing through the Venu, but the Venu singing out of itself. The Venu being an alive, having its own will, its own you know, feelings and expressing. And Krishna just putting his mouth there, but the flute is speaking for herself or himself, according to which flute. Krishna has some female flutes and male flutes, Bamsi, Murali and Ben. <coughs> Sorry. So that's one meaning if we understand this idea of chukuja. Hmm? Like the flute is singing, it itself is singing. It has its own life, its own message to give. Hmm? And, and, and the gopis will express something like that later. We will see in subsequent verses. Hmm. Some other level of interpretation of Venu Gita is that this the species in the forest, the different inhabitants of the forest that we have mentioned a few now, are singing to Krishna. And, and, and Krishna is engaging in Jyatamam Prapadyante Tamstataibhujamya. Krishna is replying to them. Again, Krishna is entering the forest, birds are singing, bumblebees are singing, rivers are singing. So Krishna reciprocates to how every of his devotees approaches him, so he starts to, to sing for them. That's another layer of, of possibility, basically. Mm -hmm. Another one, important, interesting, and all of them has to do with different uh, 
of the different rasa departments in Vrindavan. Another one is Krishna's entering the forest. Remember, by this moment, Krishna's entering the forest, so he has left the village that he departed with great difficulty from the grips of, 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 of Jashoda's Batsali above, <laughs> who was not able to allow him to go, and as we mentioned, invoke so many reasons for him not to go and stay at home eternally. <laughs> like Krishna was able to go, but but Jashoda in the distance is totally concerned. Is she? Is he okay? Everything is okay? Is he... So Krishna is to say, one other possibility is he's playing the flute to tell Jashoda mainly, who is the main Batsalya representative, but by extension the whole of the Braj in the village, apart from the Gopis in this case, more like the Batsalya camp. So Krishna is playing the flute in, Brinda, in, the, in the forest to send a message to the Brajavas in the village, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. I'm arrived safe to the forest. <laughs> because again, for the Brajavasis in their Batsalis, you are going barefoot to the forest, who knows where you will go, and you want to explore every corner of the forest and taking care of cows and in my baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so they, they, they need the confirmation. Everything is okay. You know? Like when you, you have, I don't know, a baby or a child, and the mother is working and the child is playing there, and then the child will make a mess and, and will make sounds. <laughs> but the mother is okay. He's, he's okay. He's doing okay. He's there doing... If for some time there is no sound, she's like, what's going on? <laughs> no. She's concerned because he's too quiet. Something like that. So she, okay, he was sleeping. Okay, that's right. So the, the sound is confirming. Here I am. I'm doing my, my duty, my mess. So it's okay. So Krishna is confirming with the flute. No? Okay, 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 okay. And, and Yashoda herself is sending, is asking this to Krishna. Keep playing the flute when she's, she's leaving. Keep playing the flute so I know that everything is okay. Now send me that message. Send me that message. And, and not only that I know that you are well, but I know where you are. So you, you can imagine which level of of alignment they have. Like Krishna's playing the flute and Yashoda knows. Oh, now he's here. Oh, now he's there. Oh, now he's there. <clears throat> And, and by, 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 by the fading of the sound, just so that we'll know how deep he's entering into the forest. Oh, oh, and she will, at some point, oh, you are entering too much into the forest, <laughs> and so on. And of course, uh, we may ask at this point, but how, I mean, I mean, it's not that the village is here and the forest is like 50 meters there. It's a long distance. So how loud can Krishna play the flute for your shoulder to... He's not having amplification system with this, like Morley is putting there here. <laughs> no. So it is say that actually the whole of Vrindavan is cooperating for that to happen. So whenever Krishna is playing the flute, sending that message to Yashoda Vrindavan, the whole of Braj and the birds and everything becomes silent so the sound can... And the breezes expertly carry that particular sound wave to Yashoda's ear. So, okay. Uh, he's there. Okay, so all, all, everything is like properly arranged. So that's another level of understanding of this Benu Gita, why Krishna is playing the flute and, and for whom is that song, if you will. Hmm? Of course, another layer of meaning is Krishna is playing for the cows. Hmm? Hmm? As we know, the, 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 leader, uh, the leader of each cow group, Krishna has 108 cow groups, and in each cow group, many subgroups and many cows, of course. So each of the leaders, it is said, that has some little, well, sometimes that you have seen that. You know, they have like a bell here. 
So whenever the cow, the cow leader goes with the bell, generally the other cows will follow suit. And, and that's a way of knowing where they are, basically. So in the same way that each cow leader has a, a bell for telling Krishna where they are, Krishna's playing the flute for them to tell them, here I am. No? Because sometimes the cows may get, they like to explore and eat grass, whatever there is grass, the cows are there. Mm -hmm. So Krishna is telling to them, here I am. Mm -hmm. I need to say that the cows hear their own names sounding in the flute song, mm -hmm. so which is pretty interesting. I don't know if someone has developed that early. Not possible yet. Already to have that many cows and know the names of all of them, that's already like a big accomplishment. What to speak of calling their names through a flute song? So, <laughs> so Krishna is doing that, basically. And as we know, he has... That's his moment of japa also. He has his sadhana there. And when the cows are coming, he's having his japa mala. And he's counting, counting all of the different cows and groups. Okay, this one came, this one came, this one came. Hmm? We chant Krishna's names in our japa mala. And Krishna chants his devotees' names in his japa mala. So it's reciprocal again. He's doing japa with his devotee. We are doing japa with Krishna. <laughs> but it is said that some cows... <laughs> Interestingly, they, because again, Krishna is mostly calling the leader of the group of the cows, and the rest will follow. But some cows exhibit some form of uh, rebellious nature, and they don't come when Krishna is calling because they want Krishna to call them specifically by their name. So they remain, and Krishna, oh, oh this is this one is missing. Okay, and then, oh, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> So that's another layer of meaning, Krishna playing the, the flute for, for the cows. And of course, we can apply, of course, another layer of meaning, Krishna plays flutes for, for his friends who also play flutes themselves and they create the whole game and competition and, and interaction, loving interaction by flute playing here and there. That's one of the main deepness for, for Sakyarasa. Buffalo horns and sticks and flutes, and so on. And interestingly, of course, all these different layers of meaning are subjectively true. It's not that, I mean, every devotee, as we know, will think, oh, Krishna is playing the flute for me. And everyone is right, in, in one sense. No? And they will, oh. But objectively speaking, in this context, of course, the main meaning of the Venu Gita is mostly connected with the Braja Gupis, and with Sri Radha in particular. So Krishna is, by playing his flute, He's telling them, basically, I'm in the forest. And, and, and his message to the gopis is, I am the forest with the pretext of grazing cows. But actually, ultimately, I want to meet you here. That's my ultimate purpose of coming here. Again, they have not met them together yet. But he's sending these messages to them. That will be the ultimate interpretation of, of Venu Gita, but even on top of that, if you will, the most the ultimate confidential meaning is that Krishna is playing his flute song, thinking of the gopis and thinking about Radha, and in reciprocation to that song of the flute that Krishna is playing, the gopis will sing their own Venu Gita. It has not started yet, it will start in verse 7. But verse 7 till 19 will be the, the song of the gopis in reply to the Venu Gita. The Venu Gita of the gopis in reply to the Venu Gita of, of Krishna, if you will. 
So, so therefore, that will be a very dear section to Krishna himself. You know, the gopis singing hmm, to him. So at this point, and with this I'm finishing, believe me, uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur commands that at the very last <clears throat> the very last part of the verse mentions that although generally Krishna and his friends play flutes, in this particular moment, because here Krishna is described going with his friends Pashupala and Bala, and Balaram, and to go Charana Lila, entering the forest, taking the cows to graze and so on, but here it is not mentioned that all of them were playing their flutes, although they generally do. But in this particular case, only Krishna was playing the flute. Connected to this notion of his sending a message to the gopis. Because again, and, and how, how it is interpreted like that? Or actually I said, because here the word friends is used in plural, and the word animals are used in plural on one side. So the friends were with the animals. That's how it's in Sanskrit understood sometimes. You put plural and plural, and then he says madupati and benum. Benum is flute in singular. And madupati, of course, is singular also. So madupati, benum, singular, singular, and pashupala and uh, gaba, and, and, and cows. So plural, plural. So plural goes with plural, singular goes with singular. Friends are there with the animals, and Krishna is there. <laughs> himself, only himself, playing the flute. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it is said that this, this particular Benu Gita came from Krishna's flute, specifically, mm-hmm. from the forest, and it was a reply, and eventually, we will see that there will be the reply of the gopis to that, from the village, to that flute, only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that will be clarified in the next verse, that we will see, I don't know, tomorrow? Tomorrow, next class, yeah. When it will say Krishnasya Benugitam. Next verse will say Krishnasya Benu. Krishnasya means of Krishna. So this Benugita came from Krishna exclusively to the gopis, and then we will have Benugita from the gopis to Sri Krishna. So tomorrow we will continue with verse number three. So till this very first two verses were describing the scene on the forest, Krishna entering the forest. Next verse, we will go back to the village and what's going on with the gopis there. Well, hearing all that is we have seen in these first classes. And from there, their Venugita will, will proceed. So, see you tomorrow. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai. Sriman Mahapuru Ki Jai. Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai. Sri Sri Dauji Gopal Ki Jai. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Sri Benugita Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Praman. Hello.